Hello and welcome to Revival and Extinction, the video games podcast where I play a game for at least five hours and tell you how good it is. I'm your host Adam and did you know that Revival and Extinction now has a Patreon attached to it? So for as little as one US dollar a month you can contribute to the Revival and Extinction Patreon and be entitled to such privileges such as early episodes and if the Patreon reaches its stretch goal of 30 Australian dollars per month, you, every member of the Patreon, will have a chance to win at least one free PC game code uh, once every three months. And if you contribute to the $10 or more a month tier, uh, you not only have your name read out on the show, but you also have access to the newly going ahead console special episodes uh, starting off with the Nintendo 64 and a big thanks to patron Nate our resident turtle bear man and this week dear listeners our last episode of 2022 we are covering off the slicing the dicing the devouring god eater resurrection Hi everyone, Adam from the Revival and Extinction podcast here. So I fudged up and forgot to issue a big old spoiler warning for this episode being God Eater Resurrection uh, for the PC, PS4 and PS Vita. So this story is one that can definitely be spoiled. Um, It actually does a really good job of not telegraphing what is going to happen when. So, please, before you listen to this episode, if you haven't played the game and you want to know the story, go play the game first, because this episode will contain spoilers for all three arcs of the God Eater Resurrection game. Thanks. So, God Eater Resurrection is the third iteration of the first installment of the God Eater series produced by Bankai Namco. The game was originally released as just titled God Eater in Japan uh, in February 2010 and later on was released worldwide as God Eater Burst uh, with additional story content in Japan in October 2010 and we got it over in the West in March 2011. The game was later remastered with more additional content and mechanical fixes as God Eater Resurrection and this was released in Japan in October 2015. And the rest of the world got internationally in June and August 2016, respectively. The game is a single-player and multiplayer uh, action role-playing game uh, in the vein of the Monster Hunter series in terms of fighting monsters and then going and using their parts to craft further gear um, to further enhance your character and party. And the game has been released respectively on the PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita, and Microsoft Windows. And the only way to actually get this game at the moment is to purchase God Eater 2. And this comes bundled in free with it, uh, particularly on Steam, which is where I played the game. Um, So the gameplay, it is, of course, action role-playing game in which players take control of a young 
God Eater um, called the New Type, who are special warriors dedicated to defeating monstrous enemies who are ravaging the world known as Aragami, which is a translation to Violent God. So, God Eater offers mission-based single-player mode, which consists of over 100 missions, don't I know, and cooperative play with up to three teammates over local ad hoc wireless multiplayer or AI-controlled teammates, who are actually quite smart as far as AI-controlled teammates go. Um, There are a lot of things that I didn't like about this game, which I'll get into a bit later. However, the AI was definitely not one of them. Um, The game features character creation allowing customization of hairstyle, hair color, face, skin color, clothing, and voice of the protagonist. The goal of each mission is to defeat specific origami in the designated area within the time limit. Additional rewards are gained depending on how efficiently the mission was completed, so players can dash, sprint, and jump by consuming stamina that auto-regenerates over time. The player's sole weapon is the God Arc, a unique weapon that can instantly switch to different forms, uh, blade, gun, shield, and predator. Attacking origami in the gun form consumes something called oracle points. So, oracle points can be regained by successfully attacking in blade form. However, this also consumes stamina. So, it's a real balance between what you want to use to defeat your foes. Uh, Once an origami has been defeated, materials can be collected from the remains by switching into predator form, in which your your blade turns into um, like the form from the darkness and consumes it. Um, If a player loses all their health points, AI teammates can use Link Aid to revive them by sacrificing some of their own HP. Uh, By devouring an Aragami that is still alive, God Eaters can obtain an Aragami bullet that can be fired back and temporarily enter a state called Burst Mode, which is your special mode, in which their speed, strength and energy regeneration increases. In addition, God Eaters can send teammates into an artificial burst mode called Link Burst by sending the Aragami bullet at their teammate. So, this is basically a homing bullet that you shoot at your teammate to send them into that special burst mode in which they can use their special attacks. Uh, The Link Burst is capable of being stacked up to three times by receiving multiple Aragami bullets in succession. Players can upgrade, enhance, and craft blade, gun, shield, and for their God Arc using materials primarily found in Mission. God Eater Burst introduces a new weapon part called the Control Unit, uh, which lets you use different abilities when in Burst Mode depending on which unit is equipped. God Eater Resurrection also adds new and basic features. Uh, Predator Styles replace the previously occupied Control Unit equip slot. It introduces a a variety of new devouring moves, uh, such as Aerial Devours, Combo Devours, and additionally, quick and charged devours can be changed with various other devours that are unlocked throughout the game. Uh, these can be upgraded as well, ranked 1 to 3. The bigger the rank, the longer it takes to devour, but the better the additional buffs. An updated from God Eater 2 allows players the optional use of an operator in battle who will notify the player of any newly emerging Aragami and give status updates on players and NPCs in battle. They also, you can also equip them with what's called personal abilities uh, to gain extra rewards either throughout the mission or upon mission completion. So, personal abilities are given to all NPC characters um, and can provide various extra rewards or modify mission rewards. And these can be changed throughout. Um, the game also added four new weapons. 
uh, spear, hammer, shotgun, and scythe, uh, which was the main one that I used throughout. These weapons made their debut in God's Eater 2 and God's Eater 2 Rage Burst. Uh, in total, God Eater Resurrection has 14 difficulty ranks. 1 to 6 are the original game scenario, uh, 7 to 10 are God, God's Eater Burst, and 11 to 14 are God Eater Resurrection Story Arc. Included in the game, there are also two additional packs called Predator Pack DLCs, a collection of high difficulty missions, which obviously have the best rewards. So, a bit on the plot. So, the game is set in the fictional country named New Asian Union in the year 2071. So, civilization has been ravaged by mysterious monsters known as the Aragami. The organization called Fenrir was founded to exterminate the Aragami using weapons called God Arcs, which are made from the cells of Aragami. Those who exterminate the Aragami are known as God Eaters. God Eaters are classified as either Old Type, which they can only keep their God Arc in gun or blade form, or New Type that can switch in between. So the story that was covered in the first, I guess, God Eater game, uh, Arc 1. So you play the silent, uh, nameable protagonist who joins the Far East branch alongside your best friend, Kota. Um, you're assigned to the first unit, which consists of Lindell, who's the leader, Sakia and Soma, along with their instructor, Subaki. So, Dr. Paola Sakai teaches new recruits about Aragami and an initiative to expand the Far East branch known as the Aegis Project. So, where they want to move the remaining humans underwater, basically, to make sure that they are safe uh, from the Aragami. Because at this time, at least, uh, there aren't any known Aragami that can live underwater. So, a god eater from Russia named Alyssa, a new type like the protagonist, joins the first unit. During a mission, Alyssa experiences a psychological episode and accidentally traps Lindell. The rest of the first unit escapes, leaving Lindell behind. Alyssa is treated for her episodes and removed from combat duty. The protagonist visits Alyssa when she is asleep and discovers he can see her memories by making physical contact. Her episodes are due to the childhood trauma of watching her parents be eaten by an Ariyami and hypnosis by her therapist. The protagonist retrains Alyssa and she returns to duty. Sakia, grieving for Lindau, finds a secret message from him, which is inaccessible without his armlet. So after Lindau is declared missing in action, you are promoted to the leader of the first unit. The director of Fenrir Far East Branch, Johans, uses you in top secret missions, looking for the entity known as the Singularity Sakaki. Aware of the director's intentions deceiving him into searching for the singularity in Europe by telling him a mysterious origami appeared there. Sakai uses this time to send the first unit on a mission, leading to the discovery of a human-like origami called Shio. They keep Shio a secret and educator. The first unit searches for Lindau's armlet, recovering it in the body of an origami. Lindau's message for Sakuya reveals he was secretly investigating the Aegis Project. Sakuya and Alyssa's further investigation leads them to Aegis Island. Johans catches the two and admits that the Aegis' project's true goal was to awaken the Aragami Nova and destroy all life on Earth and save only the Fenris staff and their families by sending them into outer space in arcs. Alyssa's therapist hypnotizes Alyssa into fighting Sakuya but she overcomes it and the two escape. The two inform the first unit about the Aegis Project. Kota decides to support the project to protect his family. 
A power outage causes the branch to go over backup generators controlled by Johans, allowing him to see Sakaki is holding Shio, who is a singularity. Alyssa and Sakuya rejoin the first unit after discovering the Aegis project is close to completion. Kota, discovering Shio is missing, decides to help the others and shows them a secret route into Aegis Island. Johans then extracts Shio's core and uses it to activate Nova. He urges the team to go to an arc before it's too late. Shio awakens, fuses her consciousness with Nova, and takes Nova to the moon in order to save the planet. So that's the end of Arc 1, uh, which was just the God Eater game that was released in Japan only. So before I go into the other two arcs, um, I only played five hours of this game, um, completing that first arc. So basically the level repetitiveness and the gameplay repetitiveness made me quit out on this game early. Um, the story, however, is what I would encourage anyone who's interested in Monster Hunter-like games to explore this game. Um, overall, the combat and the the levels, because um, there was only about five or six levels that just kept repeating throughout, um, were what stopped me going ahead with the further two parts of this game. So then in arc two of the story, uh, which is called Burst, which I watched the cutscenes for both Burst and Resurrection on YouTube, um, just so I could talk about them here. Um, so, three months later, the first unit encounters a new type origami that damages the protagonist's god arc. So, the Far East branch is infiltrated by origami. Uh, with his god arc undergoing ro- repairs, you resort to using Lindau's god arc. Uh, so, normally it's impossible to wield someone else's god arc, but to save the life of Lika, the engineer, you endure excruciating pain. Uh, so then you receive resonance through the god arc revealing Lindau is still alive. Before falling unconscious, you're saved from an origami by a god eater, Ren, who used to work with Lindau. The search for Lindau is reopened. Uh, Ren explains that when a god eater loses their armlet, they eventually turn into an origami themselves and can only be killed by their own god arc. So during the search for Lindau, the protagonist re-encounters a new type origami and experiences resonance, revealing that the new type is actually Lindau. The protagonist and Ren face Lindau alone on Aegis Island. Defying Ren's appeal to mercy to kill Lindau, uh, the protagonist uses resonance to enter Lindau's mind with Ren and free him from the origami. During the battle, Ren reveals he is actually a projection of Lindau's god arc and sacrifices himself to defeat the origami. Lindau returns to human form. Lindau marries Sakuya and begins training new type god eaters at the facility. So then the final arc, arc 3, a new origami, remnant of Nova, Arius Nova, appears, having devoured various other origami. The monster becomes highly resistant to god arcs, having similar components to the outer wall of Fenrir's Far East branch. All three units search for Arius Nova, eventually leading to another encounter. The first unit team, which consists of your character, Soma, Alyssa and Kota, are all defeated, but an origami resembling Shio stops it from killing them. Uh, Professor Sakaki and Lika come up with a theory that Arius Nova is increasing its power by consuming origami formed by other remnants of Noma classified as Dreadnought classes. The God Eaters attempt to stime its growth and assemble a weapon capable of killing it by hunting the Dreadnought class origami while encountering various apparitions of Shio in the field. However, Arius Nova kills a Dreadnought origami and devours its core, as the baits set up by Sakia and Lindau didn't distract it. 
Kota shoots Arius Nova, revealing that the new core introduced into its system makes it vulnerable for a small amount of time. The God Eater assembles a mass of Dreadnought cores and fire it into Arius Nova, thus crashing its defences while it metabolises the cores. They defeat Arius Nova and say their goodbyes to Shio. Shio's apparition returns to the real Shio, who is still on the moon, watching over and protecting humanity from afar. So that finishes up the story portion of the game, um, which I feel is definitely its greatest strength throughout, uh, followed by the graphics. Um, they were really good for a game that's been remade three times, and the voice acting was quite strong as well. Um, I believe they used some of the actors in the from the game uh, in the companion anime that was released in about 2012. Um, at least the dub of the anime was. Um, they used the same actors for Lindau and Sakuya, I believe, because they introduced a canon protagonist there. Um, it didn't go anywhere near as far as even the first arc. It got one season of two episodes and um, I believe it got up to the part where they meet the new type origami for the first time. Um, so, no kind of inclination of the greater machinations of Fenrir at all. In the anime, I uh, would still recommend it, even though it's unlikely to get a second season at all. Uh, despite the game, this game in particular having two two direct sequels to it, um, but yeah, the gameplay is by far the weakest. It's just it's not bad per se because you need you need skill to be good at this game. Um, you need to use a variety of techniques. You need to incorporate light, heavy attacks ranged, uh, close range, uh, using a variety of different skills, including a dodge and linking in with your teammates, using different abilities to, I guess, smash through the God Eaters because some of them, particularly in the levels I got up to, which was levels level eight and above, um, they get quite beefy. So, I can imagine by the time you hit that level 14 in the Predator Pack mark, you're going to be looking and you've, you're given 35 minutes to complete a mission. Um, so, in that time, that time would end up going quickly, I dare say. Um, it was just too much repetition of levels, too much repetition of the combat for me to continue going through it all that way. Um, like, there was a Steam achievement for completing 500 missions, um, and I dare say you would be able to do that quite easily, pro probably in one playthrough of the game, if I'm being honest. Um, to achieve that. So, that, that says, I guess, the breadth of this game and how long it will actually take you to 100% it. Um, just with the amount of games I had and how much I was enjoying it, I wasn't going to continue on when I wasn't enjoying myself. Um, video, playing video games should never be, never be a chore. So, that being said, uh, I am instilling a new rating system because I felt like my rating was too, my previous rating was too attached to, I guess, monetary value and time for hours for money um, because this game, you can easily get 100 hours in it, um, which is going to be worth $100 if we're looking at the one hour per dollar kind of price point there, which would mean that you would buy it at full price potentially. Um, however, this is a game that, well, first off, you can't buy it at full price because it's bundled in with the sequel itself. So, it's essentially free. Um, so, instead, I'm going to go to the uh, rating of out of 10. Um, so, I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10 overall. Story was compelling. I'm going to revisit the sequels um, just to see if there is any improvements on the gameplay that can kind of help me 
through it. If you like Monster Hunter, you're going to like this because it's that whole cyclical type of gameplay of doing the level, killing the monster, devouring it for parts, upgrading your gear and uh, characters and rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat for 100 hours. So, if you like that type of gameplay, then that is definitely something that you will enjoy. And it's it's the anime Monster Hunter as, as much as that sounds. It goes through a lot more of the anime troops and has a more more breadth of story, I guess, than what Monster Hunter might. So, a 6 out of 10 for me and a recommendation that if you enjoy Monster Hunter, you will enjoy this game. So, that basically cleans up the episode itself. Uh, wishing all my listeners a happy new year, happy 2023. Um, if you do want to check out my socials, um, head on over to linktr.ee slash revival.extinction. Um, and that has basically everything. It's got the link to the Patreon. It's also got to the link to the Discord um, because Re- Revival and Extinction is a part of the wider Steam Machine Productions community. Uh, so, if you head on over to the link tree, the link there for the Discord is for Steam Machine. But I've got my own little channel in there. Um, and the main podcast from that, Steam Machine Podcast uh, with Dalton, Nate and Willie. Um, also, the Yeah Another BS podcast in which Dalton and Jeremy talk about random gaming news and random news and your guys' listener questions. And we've also got our handheld extraordinaire, Team Retro. Uh, check out his YouTube channel. All those details are in the Discord. And head on over. Everyone's cool. Everyone's fun. So, that basically wraps up this episode. Uh, the next episode will be in the new year. Um, looking at it being Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch with hopefully a special guest. Um, I've heard that's a beefy game. So, if it's looking like I'm not going to complete that in two weeks, I do have some backup episodes prepared for other stuff I have been playing. So, with that, dear listeners, thank you once again. This is Revival Instinction. I'm Adam and have a good one. (music) 